Good evening, everyone. It is Sunday, May the 5th, 2019. It is currently 10.03 p.m. Central Time. Well, right now, I'm sitting here in my study, and I'm trying to make a decision. And to be honest with you, I don't really know what I should do. So let me explain. There is a part of me that wants to upload and post online the sermon that I preached this morning at Victory Baptist Church. However, there's another part of me that is thinking that's a bad idea. What I should do is just delete the sermon. The sermon then will only have been heard by the people who were at Victory Baptist Church and every person who wasn't, and all the people who may listen online, they will never hear of the sermon, and the sermon will never be spoken of again. Now, what should I do? What decision should I make? I'm having a hard time. I made a joke this evening during the evening service at Victory Baptist Church that if I post the sermon from this morning, I'm going to have to record a warning that is played before the sermon. And I, and I said the warning would go something like this. Ladies and gentlemen, you're about to hear a sermon that was preached on Sunday, May the 5th, 2019, during the Sunday school hour at Victory Baptist Church. The following sermon contains offensive material. The following sermon is guaranteed to offend many people. The sermon is going to make people upset. The sermon is going to make people angry. So be warned before you listen that the following sermon is going to be offensive. Now, I was making a joke. I don't know exactly how I would give the warning, but I do feel that kind of a warning needs to be given, so maybe I shouldn't even post it. Instead of offering a warning, I think what I'm going to do is right now I'm going to record an explanation. You see, I have been stating now for a very long time, I don't. I, I would not say a very long time, but a, a large portion of, of 2019, I mean, we're only in May, so it hasn't been that long, but I have been stating over and over and over again in live broadcast and in recordings and, and in sermons that I believe something is going on within Christianity right now. There is a, a spiritual deadness. There is an apathy. There's, there's this, you, you don't feel that Christians are passionate and hungry for the word of God. People are, are, are not attending church services. Churches are canceling services. Um, church attendance is down all across the United States of America. I was reading a news article as, as late as this morning. I mean, I mean, that, as current as this morning, I should say, that was talking about the epidemic of empty pews in American churches. Um, it's, there's just something going on. Christians today have become apathetic. They have become complacent. They have left their first love. They are, they're not being faithful to the church. Their lives are consumed in, by, so, or by so many distractions of the culture. Something just isn't right. And because of that, I feel that the things I said in my sermon this morning in one way speaks directly to that, but it's not going to speak directly to it in a nice way. It's a harsh, stern, some would say severe 
rebuke. Some would say it is unloving and cruel. And I, I make no apologies that the way I approached this this morning, there was a lot of passion and frustration in my voice, and it comes pouring out of me. So in one way, a lot of things that I said this morning addresses the broader problem as the church at large. At the same time, some things I was saying was very specific to Victory Baptist Church, to the members of Victory Baptist Church. And the reason why is I'm experiencing a change in Victory Baptist Church that has never been true in the history of the church. See, for the entire history of the church, Victory Baptist Church was very unique in this way. The people who showed up for Sunday school were the people who were there for the Sunday morning service. The people who were there for the Sunday morning service were the people who were there for the Sunday evening service. The people who were there for the Sunday evening service were the people for the Wednesday night service. Every service was attended by the same people. We didn't have any, we didn't have a drop-off of, well, the Sunday morning crowd is different than the Sunday night crowd, like every other pastor speaks of. We did not have that because I came in and from the very first Sunday at this church, I said, we need four services a week to thrive. We need four services a week. We need Sunday school. We need Sunday morning. We need Sunday night and we need Wednesday. We need four. Not broken services that are kind of like, you know, a 15-minute devotional, some prayer time. No, full-fledged, complete services with an hour of teaching in each. Well, over time, things have changed. Now, sometimes that changes because people have jobs. Well, you can't do much about that. Now, what you can do is provide the sermons online, but in some cases, I've started to notice that in some cases, those sermons are not necessarily being supported by the people who are missing some of those services. Now, many pastors would just say, this is the way it goes, this is the way it is, and they almost surrender to the idea and accommodate that that's the way it is. I will not. I believe that the church is the bride of Christ, right? That the church is something that Christ died for. He, he said he loves the church. He gave to the church pastors and teachers. He's there to build the church. And that, that members of the church are not to forsake the assembly of ourselves together. That we are to be there. We are to be faithful. So when I start seeing this happening, I felt that it came, that it, that it came time to address it in a forceful rebuke. So some of it is addressed to the, the members present, but some of it really wasn't. Some of it was addressed to the, to the larger problem. So I wanted to, in some ways, I wanted to address the, the spiritual deadness that I think is creeping across Christianity. And some of it, I wanted to address the issues there. And, 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 and here's the problem. Some people who listen, this is my concern, they're only going to get caught up in, listen to how mean he is. L listen to how rude he is. Well, that rude, I, if I went to that church, I'd get up and walk out. Or, or, oh, I wonder what's going on in Victory Baptist Church. Ooh, there's a problem. And people, and, and people may get caught up in kind of the, how can you put it, the, the, the drama of it instead of hearing the message of it. The message is for Christians to consider what is your spiritual condition right now? Is there spiritual apathy in your life? I'm trying to wake people up. But if they miss that and get caught up in the presentation instead of the message, then I, then I don't want it posted online. So that, that's where my struggle is. And another thing that I was trying to do is this was to lay a foundation 
for what was to come in the next hour at Victory Baptist Church, and that was to introduce what is going to be a multi-year, I mean, who knows, six years, seven years, it may even take 10 years, I don't know how many years it's going to take, but we're about to begin a very in-depth study of the book of Romans. And I believe that the book of Romans is, a, is a, one of those books that makes that challenges you as a pastor to challenge your people to go, wait a minute. Are you milk Christians or are you meat Christians? Are you, and again, using the language of 1 Corinthians, carnal or are you spiritual? Are you mature or are you babies? Because we are going to dig into a book that's going to require spiritual Christians, mature Christians, meat Christians instead of milk Christians. We've got, so I really had to go hard into that because Peter explains to us that Paul, um, and all of his epistles wrote things that are hard to understand and that many people have wrestled those words to their own destruction. Well, because they were unskilled. They were unstable. Well, milk Christians are unskilled in the word of God, according to the writer of Hebrews. So I had to really go hard into that. So I guess this is what I, this, this, I guess this is what I'm going to do. I'm going to play the entire sermon unedited. I'm, I'm not going to go in and try to edit anything out. You're just going to get get it raw, uncensored, unfiltered, with or without offense to friend or foe. But here, understand the context. The context is this. I am bothered by what's happening in Christianity at large. That comes out. I am bothered that in some ways at Victory Baptist Church, some of the influence of that has kind of filtered into our church, and I want to try to fix it now and not let it continue. It's not, it's not as bad as what some people tell me is going on in other churches, but I don't want to compare my church to other churches. I want to compare myself to the fact that we are, you know, as Christians, we're part of the bride of Christ, and our church is supposed to be pleasing God. And if we're not going to be pleasing God, then we all have to fix ourselves. And I wanted to challenge everyone's spiritual condition before we do something as serious and as in-depth as a study of the book of Romans will be. So that's the context. Now, what am I asking of everyone who hears this? Please do not focus on Victory Baptist Church. Please don't focus on my delivery. Listen to my passion. Listen to my heart. Yes, maybe my heart gets hidden by my rough exterior and my bluntness, but hear this. I am asking every person who hears this, I don't care if you're in Canada, I don't care if you're in Spain, I don't care if you're in China, I don't care if you're in Korea, I don't know what country you'll be in who hears this, but wherever you may be and whoever you, you may be, if you claim to be a Christian, this is what I want you to take from what you're about to hear. I want it to be a slap in your face to challenge you to look into yourself for you to consider your spiritual condition. Don't worry about my spiritual condition anybody else. Look at yourself. Is there something going on in you that, that you're not consumed and passionate about the things of God? This is a harsh rebuke. Harsh rebukes are not pleasant to hear. They're not pleasant to to deliver, but sometimes they are called to do. John the Baptist sometimes delivered his messages in a very sharp and harsh way. The Apostle Paul did so. Jesus at times was very harsh and very direct. It's not something that has to should be done all the time, but I felt today was the time. And it all came out, and it's pretty direct, and I pray that you will show grace to me I'm an imperfect, sinful man 
who obviously doesn't always say things the way I want to say them, but my desire here is to help all of us. I am preaching this as much to myself as I am to everyone else. We've got to consider where we really are spiritually. The world is slipping deeper and deeper into darkness, and the light of many Christians are growing dim. The fire in the lives of Christians have become that's burnt. It's it, the fire is gone. There are just maybe some some hot coals there, but the fire seems to be gone. There's a coldness. There's a deadness. There's a apathy. And we need a harsh reminder that we need to look at our condition, not just so that we can study the Book of Romans, but that we can live the life that God has called us to live. Thank you for listening to this lengthy introduction to my sermon. Here it is. We'll call it Meat meat or Milk Christian. Are you a Meat or Milk Christian? My message preached this morning at 10 a.m. at Victory Baptist Church on Sunday, May the 5th, 2019. It was supposed to be a Sunday school lesson, but everyone uh, in our church was present other than, I think, uh, one person because of work or sickness. I think everyone else was there. I think every um, there, there may have been a, a couple of people missing. I think the majority of people were there. And so once I realized the majority was in front of me, I thought if there was ever going to be a time to address it, it needs to happen right now. So I, I just forgot that I was in Sunday school and I just did a full-fledged sermon. And uh, you're going to hear it and hopefully you will appreciate what is happening here and and you'll see and we're going to uh, we're going to basically place this um as an introduction to our study of the book of Romans this is going to be the strangest introduction to a verse by verse study of the book of Romans that, that you're ever going to hear but i think that there is a reason for it here you go let's go now to the sanctuary of Victory Baptist Church from this morning sit back if you need to hit pause now, hit pause and wait till you have some time to listen. You, If you're going to be listening to this at work, you may want to put on some headphones because I get loud. Um, this is probably this is definitely not a sermon for an unbeliever. Uh, this is a sermon for Christians. This is de- family talk. This is not a message for unbelievers. If there would have been visitors present, I would not have preached a, a sermon like this. But it was family. I spoke uh, direct to the family. And if you claim to be a Christian, then you're my brother, you're my sister in Christ, and hopefully you will take this as a harsh family rebuke, not just to you, but to me as well. Thank you. God bless. All right, go ahead and turn to 1 Corinthians. 1 Corinthians. Now this morning, we are going to first hour is lay kind of a same thing we kind of did Wednesday. Wednesday, before we actually got to where we wanted to go, we laid a kind of a a foundation um, for what we'll try to do hopefully this coming Wednesday. Um, And this will kind of lay a foundation for what is to come. And I don't know for how long we will have to see how things go. Um, I kind of have a plan in mind, but we we will see if that plan falls apart. Um, I always joke that the, all the plans I come up for here don't succeed, but I'm going to try maybe this, and we'll see if this one succeeds. We'll try, um, and we'll see how this works. But I always like to lay a very solid um, biblical, uh, sometimes philosophical, sometimes logical foundation uh, so that we can build on, uh, because 
that gives us, that gives us kind of a, we, we definitely learned this concept uh, when we were dealing with questions related to eschatology. We, remember we kept building a foundation and that's where once we got the things that were difficult and that we say, well, we can't really be sure, we still had that foundation of the things that we were sure of. That meant, that gave us a, a kind of a, a way to protect us from, from falling back into something that we shouldn't because we had a clear foundation going, these things are, are absolute. So I try to do that. Now in this particular case, it's more about a mindset and more about, a, about challenging us to really how we consider ourselves as individuals and as a church more than anything else. I have for this hour one, two, three, four passages of scripture. They are very, very common, very familiar passages of scripture, but we're going to look at them in a very uh, pretty direct way and see if um, they can prove to be beneficial. So let's go to the first one, 1 Corinthians chapter 3. Obviously we've studied this in great detail in the past, but we'll look at it again. 1 Corinthians chapter 3. My, my original plan was to read just all of them but, and then go back, but I'm not going to do it that way. I think what I'm going to do is we're just going to take the first one and we're going to start taking it apart, uh, but you'll kind of get the idea. Everybody ready? Okay. Actually, no, we'll do this. We'll read them all. Okay. <laughs> that's, the, that's the goal. Okay. You know I can't do that very well, but we'll try, okay? Maybe. Okay, we'll try. We'll see. Here we go. 1 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 1. And I, brethren, could not speak unto you as unto spiritual, but as unto carnal, even as unto babes in Christ. I have fed you with milk and not with meat, for, hither, for hitherto ye were not able to bear it, neither yet now are ye able. <clears throat> for ye are yet carnal, for whereas there is among you envying and strife and divisions, are you not carnal and walk as men? All right, 1 Corinthians chapter 3, <clears throat> verses 1 through 3. All right, now Hebrews chapter 5. It's hard to just read that and not say anything, but that's okay. Hebrews chapter 5. Right, everybody there? All right, Hebrews chapter 5, we'll go to verse 10 for some context. Called of God and high priest after the order of Melchizedek, right? Of whom we have many things to say and hard to be uttered seeing ye are dull of hearing. For when the time ye ought to be teachers, you have need that one teach you again, which be the first principles of the oracles of God, and are become such as have need of milk and not of strong meat. For everyone that useth milk is unskillful in the word of righteousness, for he is a babe. But strong meat uh, belongeth to them that are full age, even those who by reason of use have their senses exercised to discern both good and evil. All right, John chapter 16. <clears throat> Hopefully my voice continues. John chapter 16. 
John chapter 16, verse 12. John 16, 12. Now, we won't go into the controversial verse of verse 13. <clears throat> we'll keep it, as soon as I say that, everybody's going to look at verse 13, but we'll keep it in 12. Because <clears throat> this one has definitely a far more historical uh, context and meaning. But the same idea here shows up. I, Jesus is speaking, I have yet many things to say unto you, but ye cannot bear them now. He is speaking of their inability. Now, for this group of individuals, now there's going to be a promise of the Spirit coming to lead them into all truth. Now, we understand we don't believe that applies to us in any way, shape, or form. Um, which I know is controversial, but that's the early church understood it that way. 1 Peter chapter 2 is the next one. 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 1. 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 1. Everybody there? All right, wherefore, laying aside all malice and all guile and hypocrisies and envies and all evil speakings as newborn babes, desire the sincere milk of the word that ye may grow thereby. All right, those are all the passages of scripture. What do we find in common in all of them? It is showing a contrast between two kinds of Christians. And we'll argue two kinds of Christians because they're referred to as babes. They're not referred to as lost. Agreed? There's two kinds of Christians. We will divide the two kinds of Christians into milk Christians or meat Christians. Milk or meat. Now the question becomes obvious, which are you as an individual... And then, of course, because we're all here in this particular body, your condition as either milk or meat determines the condition of the church. And a church should never, never be milk for anything less than a very, very short period of time. Because at some point, the church has to mature to the meat stage. They have to, all right? And I have done everything, obviously, in my power to make sure this church never stayed in the milk stage very long. But that doesn't mean I've accomplished it. doesn't mean I've gotten even anywhere close. It just means that that's the way I approach things. So let's take this concept apart and see what we can find. Go back to the first passage, 1 Corinthians chapter 3. 1 Corinthians chapter 3. Now, we know in 1 Corinthians chapter 3, Paul's writing to a church, yes? Okay. So clearly it's applicable in that particular case. Now, in this particular situation, Paul's writing to a church, and this church, can we say they have a few problems? Yes, they have countless number of problems. We can't go through there. But the main concept is, what is influencing this church? The city, the city is not influencing, I mean, this church is not influencing the city, all right, which is the major problem, right? Christians should not be influenced by the culture. We're supposed to be the ones influencing the culture. And so typically, historically, the Christians don't influence the culture because they try to hide from the culture, thinking that will keep them from being influenced by the culture, which actually just gives them 
a way of being influenced by the culture, which they don't perceive they're being influenced because supposedly they believe because they have, you know, they don't see, they don't hear, and they don't speak, that they somehow have accomplished it. But that's not the way uh, influence works. It's, it's more subtle than that. It's not direct. So you can hide all day. The influence still gets to you in some way, shape, or form. Because typically the way the culture is influencing you that the influence that you perceive is so horrible, so bad, and you're going to shut the door, turn off the TV, turn off the lights, cut the power, and hide. Well, really, that influence is inside of you. <laughs> so you can't hide from yourself, okay? So like that, that, that's, there, there's a whole lot of things we could talk all day about that. All right, so let's go to 1 Corinthians chapter 3 and see what is going on here. All right, first, Paul begins to speak to them. And he says, and I, that's Paul speaking of himself. All right. And I, brethren. Now stop right here. Lots of controversy throughout church history. Um, some will try to say that this term does not refer to spiritual relationship, that he is just referring to them as brethren, as either Jewish brethren, which then we'd have to say is the church of Corinth a Jewish church. That doesn't seem to make a lot of, I think we could question that. Some would try to argue he's just referring to brother in a general sense, that we're all creations of God. Uh, I don't think that's uh, the case. I think there's a very good chance the term brethren here is referencing what? Fellow believers. Now, now again, many Christians do not like that interpretation at all. All right? Because there's a reason why they don't, okay? Especially the lordship uh, camp. MacArthur and them do not like this interpretation. All right, but well, let's work our way through it. Let's just say there's a possibility that this is a reference to whom? This is a possibility. We'll just make it a possibility that he is referring to believers. Now, some may try to interpret this. He's referring to people who claim to be believers. He's not making any acknowledgement that they are. Now that could be true, that maybe that could be true. But we'll, we'll give it a lot of different things, but let's just make it a possibility. He is referencing believers. Agreed? All right. And I, Paul speaking, brethren, could not speak unto you. All right, let's stop there. He could not do something. He could not address them in a specific way. So think about this. Here's Paul. Here's these people who at least, we, we would all agree, profess to be Christians, right? They all profess to be believers. His job is to stand, to address them, and he's acknowledging, I could not address you as what? As spiritual. As spiritual. All right, everybody see that? Now let's take this word apart, okay? Uh, the Greek word here is pneumatekos. Pneumatekos. Doesn't matter if you can write the Greek word down, it's irrelevant, it's pneumatekos, okay? If I, if I was to write a transliteration out, it would be P-N-E, P-N-E, U, M-A, T-I-K-O-S. P-N-E-U-M-A-T-I-K-O-S. Pneumatikos. Right? Pneumatikos. Everybody got that? 
All right. Um, it's used, at least in the King James, 26 times. It's used 26 times in the King James, in the New Testament. Yeah, New Testament, because the Greek word, pneumatikos. It seems that it's used uh, all 26 times to, to be translated spiritual. So that means there's not, not a lot of debate on how to, how to translate the word. However, there's a lot of meanings that this could relate to. All right, you ready? Number one, relating to the human spirit or rational soul as a part of the man which is akin to God and serves as an instrument or organ. That which possesses the nature of the rational soul. All right, that doesn't really work. I, can't, I could not speak to you as someone having a rational soul. That, that doesn't make sense. All right, belonging to a spirit or a being higher than man but inferior to God. Okay, uh, that doesn't necessarily work. That would almost like be an angel, right? Right? That doesn't seem to work. Number three, belonging to the divine spirit of God the Holy Spirit. One who is filled and governed by the Spirit of God. Now that seems to work. That seems to work. Now if you didn't were able to write all those down, that's fine. I'll, I'll, I'll try to get all this posted in the Sermon and Bible Study Notes section. But the key I want you to get is, when he says, I could not address to you as spiritual, I could not address you basically as one who is filled and governed by the Spirit of God. Paul is speaking to them and saying, hey, I could not address you as one who is filled and governed by the Spirit of God. In other words, I cannot speak to you as people who are spiritual. Your focus is spiritual. Your desire is spiritual. Your priority is spiritual. I couldn't even address you that way. Now that's, that's a pretty serious accusation, is it not? Now, Again, I could hear 900 of the people in Corinth making 927,000 excuses. Well, Paul, come on. I mean, we're doing the best we can. I mean, come on. We got things to do. Come on. We got a life to live. Paul doesn't seem to care about their excuses. I could not address you as spiritual. Whoa. Okay. That's kind of mean, isn't it? In 2019, he'd probably, be, he'd probably get in trouble for being mean to people. Oh, he's going to get a little, he's going to get far more uh, cruel, is he not? Because what does he go on to say? But as unto carnal, carnal. Now this Greek word is sarkikos. Sarkikos, I think is how you say it. It is spelled S-A-R-K-I-K-O-S. S-A-R-K-I-K-O-S. Sarkikos. This is used 11 times in the King James. And it's translated two different ways. Carnal or fleshly. Carnal or fleshly. You seeing the contrast? You see the contrast? Hey, I couldn't address you as someone filled and governed by the Spirit of God. I couldn't address you as people who are concerned with the things of God. I had to address you as people who are carnal and who are fleshly. 
this is uh, some of the ways this uh, sarkikos is uh, spoken of. Fleshly carnal, having the nature of flesh under the control of the animal appetites, governed by mere human nature, not by the Spirit of God, having its seat in the animal nature or aroused by the animal nature, human, with the included idea of depravity, pertaining to the flesh, to the body, related to birth or lineage. I think you can get the basic concept from all of that. What's the basic idea? This side is the spiritual, okay? And this is person who is consumed, focused on the things of God. Priority, concern, focus on the things of God. Everybody get that idea, right? Focused and concerned with the, with, the, with the things of God. On this side are the fleshly. And they are consumed with what? Their desire. What they want. What, what will benefit them. If something's going to inconvenience them, then, then that becomes the issue. They don't care about the things of God. If the things of God get in the way of their want, their desire, their action, guess what they're going to forsake? The things of God, because what they want matters more than anything else. So Paul is looking at them going, hey, I could not address you as spiritual. I have to address you as carnal. Now, the difference is, in 2019, pastors do this. Well... I think everyone's pretty much here carnal. Let's just go along with it. Let's cancel services. I mean, services are inconvenient to people. They don't want to show up, so let's just cancel them. Right? Hey, uh, see, or maybe we can make the, the services more appealing to the flesh, and then they would actually show up. Maybe if I just stop preaching on Wednesdays, we could actually get people here. Wouldn't that be great? Maybe if I show movies on Wednesday, that, that, we, our church attendance would blow up. Right? But now, Paul doesn't go along with that concept, does he? Paul's not like, hey, I'm going to turn this church into a place that celebrates the flesh. No. In fact, uh, in, I think it's the, maybe the church history uh, section, I posted a program called That's Entertainment, talking about the problem of the modern church. But, and, I, and, and you can condemn the modern church all day, but you can't condemn them. If you're just as fleshly as the people who they're trying to appease. I, I almost respect the pastors. Let's not have any pretense here. Let's not fake it. We're all fleshly. Let's just be fleshly. So let's just cancel Sunday night. Cancel Wednesday. Let's, heck, let's just cancel Sunday. Let's just not even have church. Right? Why, not, why pretend? Paul, though, is, is trying to do what? He's going to fight it. He's going to fight it. Let's see how he approaches this. I cannot address you as spiritual. I can only address you as carnal. Does he stop there? 
even as unto babes. Babes. Now, the Greek word here, go back, is, I got it here, make sure I've got it right. Napios. Napios. All right? Um, it's used, uh, see, it's translated uh, child. It's trans uh, translated babe, and it's translated childish. Oh, now that kind of gets to the idea. Um, here's some of the ways. It refers to an infant or a little child. A minor, not of age. Or childish, untaught, and unskilled. Childish, untaught, and unskilled. That seems to really hit home, does it not? Now, please note... He refers to them as what kind of babies? Babes in Christ. Now this, this again raises lots of controversy, right? This raises lots of controversy because the more lordship way is kind of like, no, 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 no. They're just not saved. They're just not saved. And that was kind of my approach more from as a younger Christian to kind of handle it more that way. In fact, I could bring one of the textbook from one of the schools I went to on 1 Corinthians, and they just basically go, look, these people are lost. Okay? Um, and I can understand that, fight, that, like, fighting against it, because, like, at some point you're like, look, if they're fleshly and they're carnal, they're lost. Let's just stop pretending that they are, and let's focus on someone who's saved. I understand the lordship position. Just doesn't seem to be completely, possibly accurate. So I'm now, obviously, a little bit more hesitant on there. But I want to make this very clear. Paul is not telling the church to compromise to the babies, right? He's not willing to compromise to the fleshly. He's not going to tolerate that. Agreed? Let's go to verse 2. I have fed you with milk and not with meat. He is not saying that as it's a good thing. <laughs> okay? That, like, I don't, like, I want to make sure you understand that. You're like, this is how some people are. Well, you know what? Instead of giving us all this meat and all this complicated stuff, just give me some milk. No! That's not, he's not saying that as, that's a good thing. It's supposed to do what? Go, oh, wait, that's, say it. Embarrassing. Thank you. It's supposed to be embarrassing. It's not supposed to be a good thing. Can you tell this is Sunday school? Okay. I'm teaching, right? Okay. I have fed you with milk and not with meat. Now why? Why is he only giving them milk? For hitherto you were not able to bear it, neither are you now able. The reason I can't do anything else is because you can't bear it. You can't handle it. You can't deal with it. What a condemnation to a church. What a condemnation to spiritual Christians. Now I know, I know in, like in our culture in 2019, if we step outside of the church culture, Right? We step out of the church culture. I know it's almost cool in 2019 to be ignorant and dumb about everything. I don't know about that. I don't know about that. I don't know about that. That's never, I don't know how that became like, you know, 
I'm Mr. Clueless, and that's awesome, isn't it? No, you should be embarrassed. Don't tell me you're clueless. Fix your cluelessness, right? But in Christianity, there's almost like, well, you know, got better things to do. Well, that's not a good thing. That's not a positive thing. That's a negative thing. Everyone agree? Okay, it doesn't matter if you agree. Paul's making it a negative thing, okay? So you take it up with God and take it up with Paul, okay? Agreed? Verse 3. For ye are yet carnal. He is driving home the point that they are what? Carnal versus spiritual. They are milk Christians versus meat. He can't even give them. He can't even consider giving them meat. So let's do this. Let's identify some basic characteristics of a carnal, we're going to call it a carnal Christian. Now I know, man, reform people hearing this and lordship people hearing this will lose their mind to even use that term because they're going to like, you know what a carnal Christian is? A non-Christian who's going to burn in hell. So kick them out of your church. Because they're not, they can't be a member. They're lost. Okay. I, I, I don't... There's sometimes I wish I held to that, and there's times I don't wish I held that, but I, I just don't know if that's... I don't know if that's a correct rendering of what, what Paul is saying. It seems to be pretty straightforward, does it not? Okay, so let's at least argue what, what would a characteristics of a... We're going to call it a carnal Christian. I... Uh, I almost like gagged to even say those words, okay? But, okay, carnal, Christian, okay, right? That, and that should make you feel the same way to even hear those terms, okay? Because that goes like, there's something just wrong with that concept, okay? But, all right, what would be some of the characteristics of a carnal Christian? Well, I think we can make it pretty clear. Carnal Christian cares about what? Self. No, carnal, yeah, carnal. What does a carnal Christian care about? Self. And so, guess what will always take the priority? Self. So, guess what? Anything that gets in the way of reading the Bible, or guess what? If it's going to inconvenience them or bother them, what's going to get pushed aside? Reading the Bible. Prayer, church, anything. It's going to push it aside. If it's not a situation where, oh, man, This is going to impact going to church. Let's see, what can I do? What can I do? What can I do? Oh, I'll go to my boss. Hey, if I work 12 hours on Tuesday, can I then be available to work, not work on Wednesday so I can go to church? That won't even cross the mind of a carnal Christian. The carnal Christian will just say, I can't come. Not that I'm going to offer my boss more time, even if I don't get paid for it. Because there were situations where I would be like, okay, hey, I'll come to work on a Saturday night and give you 12 because everyone's coming to work on Sunday to work four. Now, why would I offer 12 for four? Because the four was going to mess up church. And you're like, well, why would you give 12 for four? Because church is supposed to be important. In fact, let's see, how important is it? Christ died for it, he loves it, and it's the bride. And the bride is supposed to please the bridegroom. That means we're supposed to be here. But guess what? The carnal Christian will be like, well, you know, worked all day. You know, I'm tired. 
and make 900 excuses because what matters to the carnal Christian? Self. That's carnality. It's about you. So, are you carnal? Or are you spir The spiritual person will be like, man, I got to, whatever I have to do, I'm going to spend time in God's word. I'm going to focus. God is the priority. His kingdom is the priority. His way, his will, he, that's my priority. And everything else must be what? Secondary. That's the spiritual. Now you have to ask yourself, are you carnal or are you spiritual? I'm not going to answer it for you, but guess what? At some point, the carnality is evident. So no matter how, what you tell me, and, 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 the, and here's the, the difference. The spiritual Christian probably won't even make an excuse. The carnal one has thousands of excuses and feel that every excuse justifies their lack of spirituality. Where the spiritual one, even if they fall, they're not going to make an excuse. They will say, wrong. See the difference? All right. Now, so there's spiritual or carnal versus spiritual. We get the basic difference. Now, what's the difference between milk and meat, Christians? What's the difference between milk and meat? Now, this one is obviously using a very, a very clear analogy, is it not? It's using the idea of a baby versus an older person. Okay. A milk Christian, what would be some characteristics of a milk Christian? Well, what's some characteristics of a baby? What's some characteristics of a baby? Okay. Well, let's just start, let's just start with the obvious. They can't care for themselves. Can a baby feed itself? No. Right. So a milk Christian is one who cannot feed itself. It has to have someone feed them. Agreed? Okay. They have to be fed. They cannot. Now in this particular case, he's speaking of, uh, you know, obviously spiritually milk Christian. It's like they cannot feed themselves unless to be, let's be honest, they don't want to feed themselves. Right? Well, if they're milk the baby, then they, won't, they, they don't want to. They, they can't. Okay? So, everybody get the idea? So, they're, they're helpless. They're needy. They require someone else to feed them. They're incapable. They lack ability. They lack understanding. They lack skill. All of that carries out even in the meaning of some of those words with babe and and, and, and the idea of milk. Okay, you get the idea? So, are you, are you carnal? And are you a milk Christian? Are you a milk Christian? Right. We'll, we'll, we'll come back to this. We'll, we'll, we'll take this apart. All right, you're getting kind of the idea here? All right, now, what was the second passage? Hebrews 5.12. Okay, I started in 10, yeah. But 12 is the key, but we'll go back to 10. 10 just sets up the concept here. 5, 10. 
called of God and high priest after the order of Melchizedek. That's kind of the subject, right? right? This whole idea of Melchizedek and everything going on there. Of whom, speaking of Melchizedek, we have many things to say and hard to be uttered seeing that you are dull of hearing. Okay, there's this great idea of Melchizedek, right? Here's this great concept, but he's like, oh... Yeah, I don't know if you guys can really handle it. Now, when a pastor says, hey, I don't know if you guys can really get this, that makes me mad, right? Because I've been told that my whole Christian life. Like, you can't preach that way to a church. You can't teach that to a church because people won't get it. And that makes me mad because I'm always like, don't tell me how dumb my people are. I'll tell them how dumb they are, okay? I don't need you to tell me, right? But my thing is, I kind of have the attitude is, hey, you're dumb! But I'm not going to stop doing it, right? You're going you're gonna, to, at one point, you're going to at some point care enough to stop being dumb. That's kind of my way of approaching it, right? My approach is, oh, well, if this is too complicated for you, let me make it simple, right? I don't do that. Now, I may, I may do that in a mocking way, but I continue on with what I'm going to say, right? He's like, hey, hey uh, you guys are too dull of hearing to get this. I, I hate that approach. My approach would be, no. You may be dull now, but after I repeat myself 927,000 times, you'll get it. True? Right? I, I hope y'all can catch on that that's how I do it, okay? Okay? I, I, I could, but I won't. All right. For when the time you ought to be teachers, stop right there. Now, how long has everyone in here been a Christian? Throw out some years. Come on, throw out some years. How many years? 45. 45. Okay, I can't, don't give me numbers. You just tell me how long. I, I'm not going to be able to figure out the math. I, I'm not. Okay, when it comes to math, I'm dull of hearing, okay? 45 years. One person has given me an answer. Anybody else? 13 years. 50. Okay, 30-something, at least 50. Okay, we got big numbers going on here, all right? Now, guess what? When you listen to those numbers, you ought to be able to teach. I didn't say it. For when the time you ought to be teachers, you have need that one teach you, which be the first principles of the oracles of God. After all of this time, are you one of those people who still can't do it? Now you're going to say, well, I can't do it because you see, and I hear all the excuses. Well, I'm just not a, I'm just not a very, you know, academically inclined person. I don't really like to study and I hate, re like 9,000, he doesn't go into that, does it, right? No, because guess what? When you become a Christian, guess what you signed up for? A religion that is based off a book that has words in it. If you don't want to be a student, if you don't want to be a reader, find a new religion. I'll help you find one. I'll never understand. Well, I'm a Christian. I just don't like to read. Well, then why did you become a Christian? It's a, written, it's a written revelation. And it happens to be written in Hebrew and Greek. 
Oh, and it's written by all kinds of different authors from all kinds of different backgrounds with all kinds of different historical contexts. Oh, and it has all kinds of different literary styles. You only, not only did you pick a hard one, you picked a complicated one. And you're like, well, you know, I just, I just never was one to like to study. Well, then, I guess Christianity is not for you. I know when I say that, people get offended at me, but it's not, I mean, is it not in a written form? Are you not called to love it, cherish it, memorize it, read it, study it, and to be able to teach it? You have a need that you, that you uh, teach again, which be the first principles of the oracles of God, and are become such as have need of, and not of strong meat. Now again, here's what a lot of Christians say. Well, yeah, I guess I'm just one of those milk Christians. That's not acceptable. The next verse. For everyone that useth milk is, I'm not saying this. Victory Baptist Church is not saying this. The author of Hebrews is saying this. We don't know if it's Paul. The author of Hebrews is saying this. And he is saying that you are unskillful in the word. Now what I find absolutely fascinating is Christians who tend to, tend to demonstrate being carnal and who tend to demonstrate being milk Christians are some of the ones who seem to act like they're skillful. <laughs> If you're not a meek Christian, you're unskillful. I'm not saying that. Don't get mad at me. Now, that, I want you to understand this. This is a radical approach to the Protestant mind. Because the Protestant mind believes everyone is equally skillful. No, you are not. The Catholic system doesn't believe that. Protestants seem to think that you are. Paul, I almost said Paul. The author of Hebrews is making the argument that what? Not everyone is of the same skill level. Now, are you carnal? If you're carnal, then you're going to be a milk Christian. And if you're a milk Christian, what do you need to place on, in front of your Bible? You write your name. You know how they give that little, that little, little dedication thing. You should write, you know, and not picking on Twyla, but just, you know, if we were doing this, you know, this Bible is dedicated to Twyla, who is unskilled in the Word of God. Some just need to put down that you're unskilled, unless you're a meat Christian. If you're milk, you're unskilled. Now, how skilled are you? I could, I could test you. Right? I mean, I could, I could start throwing out all kinds of ideas and concepts and see how skilled you are in explaining it. But guess what that typically does? Typically just leads to not people acknowledging how unskilled they are. It just leads to them arguing how much they think they know. <laughs> Which doesn't accomplish anything because for some reason we can't just admit, you know... Considering how carnal I am and how much I really don't care about the spiritual things and considering the way I act, I'm pretty much a milk Christian, so I don't know why I would ever argue about anything. 
right? It would, again, I've used the illustration a million times. If, if, if the men are saying there's a car out there that can't start, and I come walking around the corner looking at everybody like, well, you, all of you are wrong. Okay, this is the problem. And Bobby's like, no. I'm like, look, I don't know what you think you know. And I start, I, he's probably going to get mad. He's probably going to say something along the lines, when it comes to cars, you're an idiot. Or we could use unskilled. And so what would be best for me to go is, is to do what? Just walk right on past everyone around the car and say, hey, Stacy, let's go home and eat. Because about what can I provide to the discussion? No one asked you, okay. I just look in there like, hmm, there's some stuff in there. I say buy a new car. That's about as much as I can offer. Because I'm unskilled. But for Christians, like, I'm skilled because I'm a Christian, so I'll argue about everything. It doesn't matter what scripture you say. I'm right. Well, don't, prove, don't argue to me you're right. Prove to me that you are spiritual and a meat Christian, not a milk. Because if you're a milk Christian, guess what you are? Unskilled. Now, what you shouldn't do is, Paul, do, or Paul, I can't say Paul, the author of Hebrews, he's not saying what you should go is sit back and go, well, I'm unskilled. Now, what he wants you to do is like, whoa, I'm unskilled. That's not, okay, what do I got to do to get skilled? What do I got to do to move from carnal to spiritual? What do I got to do to move from milk to meat? All right, so let's start. Obviously, John 16 is just about the lack of ability, correct? They can't, he can't, he can't talk to them. They're not able. Go to 1 Peter chapter 2. <clears throat> All right, I'm going to try to, oh, we got to finish this. Well, we started late, so. All right. Are you ready? Now, you're like, where are you going with all of this? You have no idea. You have no idea. I know where I'm going. Okay. All right. Do what? Okay. I don't know. Okay. Only you can answer that. And I, can, I can test you and determine quickly your skill, but I'm not going to do that. Okay. All right. Because then I'll just be discouraging and depressing and I'll want to start doing drugs or something. Okay. That's a joke for those listening online. Okay. I, I only do drugs on Tuesdays. Okay. All right. Okay. That's a joke too. Okay. It's Tuesday and Wednesday. Okay. Especially after Wednesday night services. Okay. All right. So. All right, that's a joke too. All right, no, actually it's not. Okay, here we go. All right, are you ready? So, we've got to try to, A, get from milk to meat, from carnal to spiritual, from baby to mature. Agreed? Everybody agree? All right. Now, here is the most obvious indication because here's the thing you cannot go from quote-unquote carnal milk or babe right and when we say carnal I know we I thought we got to be very careful because carnal is a description of lost people too we got to make sure we understand that right there I mean, carnality is a description of lost people uh, MacArthur would make that argument and he would be right and a lot of reformed people but in this particular case because he uses all of these other descriptions brethren Babes in Christ, um, 
with carnality, uh, then this has to, I, I still convince that there has to be some level of Christianity here. So when I speak of the carnality we're referring to, we're speaking of infancy or, or immaturity or unskillfulness as a Christian. All right. So if we're, so, this is what we have to first establish. We have to first establish that we're even a babe. Correct. First Peter two two is the clearest example of even knowing that you're a baby. As a newborn babe, desire the sincere milk. Now, everyone in this room who's had a baby, do you have to tell the baby to desire milk? No. So I got to say this as bluntly as I can. If you lack the desire to hear the word of God, if you lack the desire to study the word of God, if you lack the desire to even show up at church, you may want to today repent and become a Christian. You say, well, I've been a Christian for 20 years. You've claimed to be one for 20 years. The basic nat natural position of a babe, a, a baby's going to make a million mistakes. In fact, a mature Christian is going to make a million mistakes. We're not talking sinless perfection. Everyone understand that? No one. David was a man after God's own heart. He blew it 500,000 different ways, okay? Paul was still like, hey, the things I want to do, I can't do. So, so there's lots of imperfection in these people. Agreed? What we're talking about is a spirituality that says God is the most important thing to me. And if, if you cannot even at your basic level go, there is a true hunger and desire for the things of God, if that is not even present inside of you, okay, in any meaningful way, and again, don't say, well, you know, I do, I do. You know if you do. You know if you do, right? When I was in the, when I was in the military, standing on the second floor with the doctors, drinking a Coke, eating donuts, watching everyone run, I couldn't sit there and go, you know, I really desire to be out there doing PT, I really desire it. But, you know, we got, we got patience and, you know, we got things to do. And, you know, I can make excuses. Now, where I was supposed to be, I was actually supposed to be out there, but I always used the doctors to get out of it because the doctors didn't go. And so I got in good with the doctors and they were like, well, you don't have to go. And then when they, people get mad, the doctor's like, oh, I had him doing something, in which something usually meant eating donuts and drinking a Coke looking at the, out the window watching everybody run. Okay, but the doctors protected me. But if I told them, I really want to be there, but you know, there's just so much to do in the morning time. I'm just so busy. It would be an absolute and complete, because I had, let's, let's rate my desire. Negative 9,000 to run for no reason, because no one was chasing you, and there was no, Emergency. In fact, even if there was an emergency, I may try to find a car instead of run. Right? So why pretend? Correct? You know what's inside of you. If there's not, in fact, trust me, if the desire is there, it's evident. I don't have, I don't have to sit there and go, well, you know, I, let me look for the desire in this church. 
Empty pews is one good sign of lack of desire. Now, for every empty pew, sometimes there's legitimate reasons, sometimes there's excuses. Excuses show a lack of desire. Legitimate reason shows a problem. Either they can fix the problem or they're unable to. But then they can do other things. Like our sermons are posted. I could pull up the numbers for Wednesday. Let me give you the numbers for Wednesday's sermon. More people in China listen to our sermon on Wednesday than people from Victory Baptist Church. Two. From here. How many people are here Wednesday? You two? You two and Stephen. That's... Something's wrong with the number, huh? Desire. That's the bit. That's. I mean, like that's. I mean, what, what? I mean, I don't know what else to say. Your Christianity. If there's not even a desire, like I don't. I don't know what. To, I, I. I feel like. What? What? What can I do? What can I do? Desire is the, is, the, is the, like, literally, like, if there's no desire, we can't talk about spirituality, and we cannot talk about meat. We got to talk about conversion. We got to talk about salvation. That's a scary thought. And, and, and please, I don't, want, I don't want excuses, and I don't want you to come tell me, well, you know, I, I don't, this is about you. This is not about me. Right? This is about you. I, you've got to determine what is going on inside. All right? So let's briefly describe a meat Christian. All right? Let's briefly describe a meat Christian. And this will lay the foundation. You'll see why in the next hour where I'm going. I know what you're thinking. You're, you're thinking, well, you're just bothered by Wednesday church attendance. Oh, yeah, I am. I mean, if we get much, if we get much smaller on Wednesdays, we, we're, we're not even going to have services. I mean, and at that point, I don't even want to be a pastor. I mean, we're, we're in bad shape, our Wednesdays. Now, I understand things happen. But then the numbers for the, like, if the attendance here has to go down because people cannot literally be here and there's nothing they can do to fix it, then the numbers for our services should be doing what? Does that make sense? Yeah, that does bother me, but that's not the issue today. The issue, is, the issue isn't, well, you know, uh, 
doing different things. No, the issue is we have to establish this before we can do what I want to do. Does that make sense? This is about something else. And so I know everyone's hearing this online. It's like, man, he was mad at his church. No, you're, everyone's missing the point. This is a foundation for something deeper. Got it? Okay. So what would describe a meat Christian? All right. A meat Christian is one, A, who is skilled in the word of God. Skilled. Skilled in the word of God. You know why they're skilled in it? Because they're partaking of it on a regular and consistent basis. So they're skilled. They know it. Are you not usually skilled in that which you know something about? Right? They're skilled. They, they care. They partake. They, they can feed themselves. And they will feed themselves because they're not babies. Right? Now, now listen. We're... When you get to meat, you're a million miles away from desire. The desire is, is already implied. Does that make sense? You've taken the desire, and now you're, man, you're, you're in the kitchen cooking. Right? You're in the kitchen making it. You're in the kitchen ready to talk about it. You're, you're consumed with it. You want to think about it. You want to do something with it. And we can be honest as a church that in many of my attempts to try to get the people together doing things outside of church doesn't always work out so good, right? I mean, the devotional guide, the Bible study guide, I mean, all my attempts seem to just kind of, right? Why? I don't know. Maybe it's a desire. Maybe it's not. I don't know. Okay, priorities. I don't know what it is. So here's what I need you to do for this hour. You ready? I need you to ask yourself, are you a carnal or spiritual Christian? Now again, I hate that term, but you understand what I'm saying. You can only refer to you as a carnal Christian if all the other concepts are there, right? Right? At the very least, you have to have a desire. <laughs> Does that make sense? Okay, you have to at least have a desire, right? If you don't have a desire, don't just say, well, I'm carnal. Carnality, car being car a carnal Christian is not an excuse for you to just say, well, I'm a carnal Christian. That's supposed to be something that's like not right. Does that make sense? Okay, all right. So you have to ask yourself, when you look at your life, what is your priority? The things of God are you. What is a priority? The things of God are you. Everyone in this room, including myself, all have to acknowledge that over and over and over again. What is the priority? Boom! Me! Agreed? Okay, am I the only one who can acknowledge it? Okay. okay. Bobby acknowledged it. Okay. Diana acknowledged it. Okay. There, okay. Brenda will. Okay. I see that hand. Okay. Right. right. So, yes. Okay. We're all there. Okay. Because our basic nature is what? Carnal! So we always are fighting it, right? We're always fighting it. We're always fighting it. But the desire is still there. Agreed? Okay. So are you carnal is carnality the, the, the theme or is spirituality the theme? Next, are you milk or meat? Are you milk or meat? Milk Christians will not do what? not going to do anything on their own. 
I can give them all. I can. I, we this church could spend nine million dollars on on things to give you, and, and guess what? It's not going to be used. Not going to do it. Not going to do it. So at that point, it becomes irrelevant to even do it. Now there's always some who will, and you want to make sure they get whatever they need and whatever. Man, you'll give them. You'll cut off your right arm for for them. All right. There's always some. Does that make sense? So are you milk or meat? I don't know. If you're milk, what is that, what, what's going to be the major characteristic? You are unskilled and capable. Meat, you're skilled, you're capable, you're feeding yourself, you're partaking. All right, and then next, are you a babe or are you mature? Are you in infancy or mature? Now you're going to be like, again, I want to make sure as I end this hour, I want to make this very clear. If all you take from this is, wow, you seem bothered. You missed the point. If your focus is on me after this and not on you, guess what you're demonstrating? Your carnality, okay? Because you're trying to turn the attention away from your spiritual condition to try to place it about me. Don't make this about me. This is about you looking into yourself going, man, what is really going on inside of me spiritually? Does that make sense? Please don't make this about me. But the reason I am doing this is because I have a plan of something that I want to start. All right. I know every time I have a plan, they fall apart. I know it's a joke. I say it every time on the live broadcast because they're always there. They always fail. The, the devotional guide was a complete and utter disaster of failure, one of the most epic failures of my entire ministry. Right, so I got rid of that. We went to the Bible study guide, and I started kind of, started sensing things weren't going quite the way I wanted them to go. Right? Because I did not want it to turn into, all right, hey, today we're in Mark this. Right? And so that, you know, everyone's supposed to have read the same thing. And then I see that look. Oh. Nobody knows where we're at in the Gospel of Mark. Okay. We only had to read like eight verses this week. Okay. I guess nobody could pull that off. That's too much. Okay. All right. So then it becomes what? Becomes a hostile environment. Agreed? So guess what I did this time? Did we deal, deal with Mark? <laughs> no. Did I even hand out the guides? Oh, no, I didn't, because it was that or, or you know, go, being admitted to oceans, okay? So I decided oceans, you know, I didn't, I like my house better than oceans, okay? All right, and I'd already been there before when it was Woods, uh, sorry, Woods Hospital, okay? So I don't want to go back there, right? So I'm like, you know, I'm just going to make it low-key, just who wants to get, and I'm, we're just going to do other, we'll do little devotional messages, right? Hey, let's give them some milk. Nobody complained. <laughs> Nobody's like, wait, I need some meat, man. I need some challenge. No, 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 no. So, so we kind of toned it down. All right. Now, I've got a new plan. It's going to fail, too. But the good thing is I haven't given up. Yet. Yet. Okay. All right. Yet. Yet. But... We have to establish this concept before we can take on the next plan. Because the next plan, how could we put it, is massive in scope. I don't do anything little. But not for you. 
Now, it will require little things like, I don't know, church attendance, listening to a sermon, you know, those really hard things that Christians, you know, 2,000 years ago didn't do. Oh, wait, yeah, they went to church and died for going. You know, they didn't, they had to walk 10 miles. They didn't say, well, you know, if I walk 10 miles, then it's a 10-mile walk all the way back, and it'll be dark. I can't go when it's dark. Whoa! No, they went and died, you know. Hey, they were hiding in catacombs, going to church. But in modern church, it's like, you know, well, you don't end till 8 o'clock. I mean, 8.15, past my bedtime, you know. What? Okay. All the stuff I've heard, okay. So I'm asking for, like, this. in this particular case, guess what you won't need? You won't need a guide to go do any study on your own. Isn't that good? That's good, because, you know, can't, can't, can't ask that. You're not going to have to read anything. Woo-hoo-hoo-hoo, because that's always, that's always a good one, right? Okay, all I just need is participation. The undertaking is going to be massive on me, right? Because we're going to possibly begin a journey through a very difficult book. Now, I don't know if we're going to do it, because I may quit three verses in. I may. But I'm going to make this very clear. We're not going to go through the book, The Milk Way. Now, I know some people want me to go The Milk Way. Just, you show up, sit there, and I just tell you what to think. I'm sick of that. You want milk? I'll help you find a place. Right? Because I'm kind of tired of the milk way. Just sit there and I'll just give you a three-point outline and, and then you're all good. I'm not going to do it. Now, I know some of you are already, already mad because you want the milk way. But if you want the milk way, uh, Paul says, guess what? You need the... So we're still going to dig in and we're still going to make it complicated and I'm still going to ask difficult questions and sometimes it will be a straightforward what? Here we go. In fact, I will even throw in little devotional messages so that you don't choke on the meat. Hey. Does that make everyone happy? Hey. I'm not telling you what book, okay? All right? Because, you know, after, after this, everyone's getting ready to leave. I've got to give them some reason to stick around even though they're mad, okay? All right. All right. Any questions? All right. I'm not telling you. So, uh, again, the main thing I want you to get is please don't... You're going to turn this into the wrong thing. Does everybody understand that? You're going to turn this into attendance. And now, what you need to turn it into is, you know your spiritual condition. I don't. But at some point, a pastor has to go, enough's enough, man. Enough's enough. Are we going to be a, a, a meat church? Are we going to be a spiritual church? Or do I just cave to the, the, the spirit of carnality and the spirit of regression? Well, like, we shouldn't be going backwards, man. Y'all should, be able to, y'all should be able to teach me at this point. Y'all should be able to exe- I should just be able to throw out a passage of Scripture, and y'all should be able to exegete it. You're like, no, no. Yes, you should. Stop making excuses. I've only taught you for 9,000 years how to do it. Right? I've given, you, I've given you tools to go home and use. I've tried to create situations where we can talk about whatever. Right? I've tried like, countless things, and so many of those attempts have failed, crash, burn, disaster, but I kept trying. 
So at some point, though, we have to look at ourselves. Are we going to be a spiritual church? Or are we going to slip into carnality? There's a spirit of carnality that has swept over Christianity. There is a deadness that has swept over Christianity. I posted many sermons dealing with this subject where pastors are like, something's wrong. Other pastors are realizing something is wrong. The, and the Atlantic uh, pu- published, what, five days ago, <clears throat> the, the problem of empty pews in the American church. A, a secular paper is like, no one's going to church anymore. Well, why is church attendance dropping? When Paul says, do not forsake the assembly of yourselves together, as is the manner of some, but even much more so as the day approaching. We all talk about how bad the world is, then every service the pew should be packed. Or, if you can't be here, you make use of everything so that Every sermon is listened to. Does that make sense? The issue is your spirituality. The issue is not, I'm not, this is not a attendance or Bible reading list. This is a spirituality test. You got to look into yourself. Is there, what's going on inside of you spiritually? If something's not right, I, I, as a, a pastor, I can't just let it go unnoticed, right? I have to address it. I have to. And there's no, I can't win when I do. Because as soon as I address it, people are like, you were too mean, you were too cruel, you were too blunt, and, and, and I'm going to hear, and everyone's going to turn it about me, and that just, you're missing the point. Does that make sense? I hope you can understand that. And people listening online, don't turn this into, oh, I wonder why, why what's the attendance on Wednesdays at Victory Baptist Church? We want to know the number because we want to compare it to our church. You're missing the point. Look inside yourself. And this is just not for us because, again, I've got friends in Nebraska who talk about how many people show up on a Sunday morning service and how many show up on a Wednesday, and the numbers are staggering. I mean, you're talking hundreds on a Sunday morning, and on a Wednesday, 10 to 15. How do you go from hundreds to 10 to 15? I can tell you why. Because the people don't care. Now, in many churches, they just cancel the service. I'm not, I'll, I'll die before I do that, or I'll quit. Death or quit? And you think I'm joking. I'd, I'll quit. There's plenty of pastors who come in and give you just... How many churches in, in Tuscola? The Church of Christ, they have what? One service? Sunday morning, that's it. I can take all y'all down there and y'all be happy there. Right? One service a week. I bet you even there they have people miss. <laughs> I don't know how that's possible. This is, okay, you get the idea. Let's pray. Whew. Lord God, we come before you this morning. Everyone in this room, including myself, at times we need to be confronted with the lack of spirituality inside of us. Um, a growing sense of carnality and selfishness and and pushing aside the things of God so that we can please ourselves. Everyone in this room, including me, we're all in the same boat. The only difference between me and them is I have to be here because it's my job. If I didn't have to be here, I hope, I pray that I would still be at every service, but there's probably a danger that I too would miss. We're all in this together, and we all need to truly take some time today to look inside of ourselves 
Maybe we need to do some repenting. Maybe we need to do some confessing. Maybe we need to acknowledge something is not right with us spiritually. There may be legitimate reasons for a lot of issues, but there still has to be a passion and a desire for the things of God that will work to overcome those problems and difficulties. And I pray that we will not give in to the spirit of the age because there is something wrong in Christianity. And I am going to continue to say that. And whatever is wrong in Christianity, we're not immune to it here at Victory Baptist Church. We are just as, as vulnerable to it as every other church. And I pray that anyone hearing this, wherever church they go to, they would turn this about them and their church and not turn it to about us because all of us are in this together, no matter what church we go to. And we all need to consider what is happening to, to the spirit of Christianity in America in 2019. And I pray that we would do that in Jesus' name. God's people said...